Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 248 for Monday, June 5th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, enjoying his new life as Pixriffs the Archaeologist. Hello, and uh, yeah, I've been talking a little bit about real-life archaeology as well as new-life archaeology in The Render Distance this week. Uh, that is the extended version of the podcast, which you can get if you are a patron supporting the show through patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. You get access to a private RSS feed separate from the main podcast feed in which The Render Distance is included in your episode, which is about, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of extra content attached to the podcast every week a pre and post show where joel and i talk about what's going on in our lives and usually in the post show we end up uh, talking a bit about what we've been doing in the uh, the episode as well so like the the discussion continues every week before and after the show um it is the first episode of the month so we obviously want to extend a huge thank you to patrons who continue to support us as we make the show we have a bunch of patron events coming up we've got our monthly minecraft hangout at the end of june which is obviously going to be a time when everybody's going to be sharing what they've been up to in minecraft 1.20 presuming that you're sticking around and moving on to 1.20 our next quarterly hangout is coming up in july so if you want to stick around for that and listen to the facts and figures the behind the scenes of how the podcast itself is made that's going to be coming up in july as well and later this month we'll have our chunk mail dispenser episode which was something our patrons unlocked nice and early into our patreon campaign where we go through a bunch of listener email and talk about what the community is thinking about the latest update at this point um but in the meantime we are going to be dedicating most of today to talking about 1.19 in retrospective but let's start with our usual quick login what have you been up to in minecraft this week joel I have been plugging away at Raising the Keep. I will share a couple of before and a few after images in our live chat. And this week was mostly focused on the courtyard, which is really the first experience you have when you cross the drawbridge and the gate into the main keep. So I've started to take some liberties with the details now that I know that the walls are not going to move. Uh, I've put in the rest of the mosaic uh, or the courtyard kind of decoration in terms of the stone pattern. I'm happy with it enough. Uh, I might try to to tweak it a little bit more later on, but for now, it's it's giving giving me the right kind of vibe that I want. Uh, the uh, guardhouse has been added and uh, retrofitted. The stable idea that I had has been kind of thought through. I put a um, new roof on the kitchen, which was actually quite a large undertaking and worked out very well. I has been beating myself up over this like weird logical way of, of thinking about it, where having a gable where the rainwater would run up against the wall of the keep didn't make sense to me. And ultimately it's just like, well, in real life, this thing would have a subtle grade that would run the water all the way back down in the courtyard. You just can't do that in Minecraft without the thing being four blocks in, in height difference from where it starts to where it ends. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just, you know, left that to the imagination because it gave me so much more room, headroom specifically above the kitchen, which is where like, I, I guess servants would sleep. Like it's a bunk of like five beds and, or will be when I decorate the inside, but I've made that plan. It connects really nicely to the main staircase. I still have these little kind of cubby holes where people can look down at the main hall from high up. It's almost like a small gallery. Uh, and that might get some some changes. Um, it's just kind of an idea right now. Um, but really, the, the bulk of the work was done on what the courtyard looks like when you're standing in it. So the face of the kitchen, the gable of the kitchen, uh, the little pig pen that I've got outside the kitchen, the stables, 
There are temporary torches everywhere. I was just placing them around to kind of see how often I would have to place a lantern to light this place. And as, as per usual, there's one, one block of zero dead in the middle of the courtyard that I just can't get the light up no matter where I put a lamp. <laughs> yeah. So I'll have to come up with something interesting or, or maybe figure out a way to, maybe I'll put like a button on the ground for a stone or something just to keep that space waterproof. Yeah. Otherwise it's the uh, dedicated creeper spawning spot, right? <laughs> that's the, well, that's the, one, the thing, right? The one place that you know creepers are going to turn up. And there was a very interesting experience with that where I thought I heard someone on the server and sometimes server mates will log in to either help out by sleeping through the night or mess with you. And so I heard some footsteps. I was like, that was weird. There's no one online. And I thought that's not good. And so I was coming down from doing some work upstairs and sure enough, there was a creeper like barreling right at me and I hadn't yeah. eaten in a while. So I had to walk away from the creeper as fast as I could. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like putting your head down. Nope. Sorry. Not today. <laughs> yeah, on. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was an interesting experience. All caught live on stream, which was fun. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not much of a panic, you know, streamer, but like it was definitely like a nope, 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 nope. I, yeah. There's a lot of armor stands placed in here, details in the kitchen. There's like meat on the table. Like I just, I didn't want that to go kablooey so so yeah i uh, i hightailed it out of there as fast as i could in a shuffle which was pretty mm -hmm. funny um the other i guess two streams uh, really what i've been doing as i've mentioned before is i'm bouncing back and forth between like changing something if i'm happy with it i tend to continue with work on it if i'm not sure about it i'll move on to do something else and so the east tower which is the one that's on the corner of the hall that started off as something much taller got reduced down to something more like a turret tower uh then got changed to be bone and spruce wood with you know spruce accents with a, like a, a pointy kind of spire roof on it has been removed again and is now a large square tower or it was a square tower i then previously cut the corners off of it to make it a little bit more round as much as you can make a round tower in a five by five space and I like the height of it. I like the shape. Well, I, I think I'm, I'm battling between the square shape and the current kind of like chiseled shape of it. But the real struggle is trying to figure out how it looks on the corner of the keep. Does it look like it could support itself kind of hanging off the edge a little bit? Or do I have to run the sides of the tower all the way down to the river? And I, it must be 60 blocks to get all the mm -hmm. way down there. Yeah. And the sacrifice I'm making is that there's a cool little alley that runs from the docks between the dock and the keep. And if I bring the sides of this all the way down, it goes from being a two wide alley to a one wide alley to the point where like, I might as well just completely cut it off mm -hmm. and, and remove it entirely. So I, I haven't decided if I'm going to sacrifice it. Now that alley doesn't lead anywhere. The whole place is empty because I knew I would be updating the side of the keep and I didn't want to build anything in the way. So I've got some thoughts about what I might want to do with that space. And I have to kind of figure that out. That classic conundrum of like, you want to finish this one thing, but really what you need to do is look at side A and look at side B and then finish what's in between. Mm -hmm. So I have to just decide if this is going to look better going the full length. One advantage of of bumping the the location of the tower a little bit more to the north, which is forward on the keep, means that the window on the apps to the west has a clear view, like it doesn't get obstructed. Uh, we do lose a single window in the main hall, uh, which is just a one wide tall window, but it doesn't really affect your view inside the hall because that window is so close to the pillars 
that support the apps that it it really doesn't like you're not missing it um and it doesn't throw off the pattern or anything like that so i've got some playing around to do but once once i get there then um i think it will start to come together but uh the the courtyard is feeling good i'm not quite ready to start doing interior decoration but it's it's getting there where i i hope to finish up the keep or get real close this week nice yeah i mean it's good when you can see the finish line in sight at least so yeah good uh good luck with that i hope it all uh hope it all goes well i have the opposite problem which is waiting around to start something i am getting my footing at last on new life smp it sort of feels like when I was younger, I spent a year in the States back when everybody else in the UK was starting secondary school and everybody else did a year of French when I had no like other languages than English in my curriculum. So I came in and everybody else had already got like a year's worth of French under their belt and I was kind of starting from scratch. Um, and it sort of feels that way on New Life because I've started this week really like playing in earnest on the server after having been away in Spain for a week and then spending a week finishing up my Empires finale. And some people are already on like their second or third life in this effectively like reduced number of lives that we have on the server. It's effectively like a hardcore server where you've got a fixed number of lives and then you respawn with a different origin. The origins mod is like a key part of this. And so a few people are like on their second or third set of powers and I'm barely building my, my starter house. And I've prolonged that by picking a very expensive block to build a house out of almost immediately. Uh, so naturally, it being a modded series, I wanted to explore some modded blocks. I picked some familiar stuff like wood types and things to build out of for the majority of the build. But I wanted the roof to be something modded because modded Minecraft typically adds a lot of those like roof tile blocks and stuff like that that you feel like I'm maybe missing from the vanilla Minecraft set. And it turns out that Nether Reads from the Better Nether mod make the blue roof tile block we have all been talking about on previous episodes of the show. The ones that appear in like the Lego sets and the, you know, medieval fantasy concept art that we've all been using as inspiration images for a little while. And so I've been farming Nether Reads, which is effectively sugarcane from the Nether that has to be grown next to lava instead of water and has to be grown on Netherrack instead of grass or sand. And the problem with that is that it involves making blocks out of effectively sugarcane in a 6 to 1 ratio for 6 sugarcane per block. Um, because it crafts down into a 2 by 2 and then the 2 by 2 blocks craft into 6 of those blocks per 4 tile blocks. So it's just kind of a series of uh, a, a set of stages of crafting this stuff and then I need probably about 300 blocks in order to do the roof and so i'm I, i've really bitten off more than i can chew for a starter house design it's not the fastest thing i've ever built but it's going to look really nice once it's done and i think that's going to be a foundation for a little kind of community that i'm going to build with the idea being that if i end up losing my life and starting again with a fresh origin whatever type of creature i am at that point i can build something that's thematic to that as a character and then like each person that i have been over the course of this series will have their own house and i think it's going to be kind of fun to do a little uh seaside community uh there on this island that i've picked out to build on so uh in the meantime yeah i'm frantically effectively farming weird sugarcane and that's all I've been able to do on that server for now until I uh, I have enough of that to uh, to build this roof to this house. 
It's funny how it looks like it's a combination between sugarcane and bamboo. Mm-hmm. In terms yeah. of like the the blocks feel very bamboo inspired in terms of what we've seen coming with one dot twenty, and then the sugarcane, you can kind of see how you know that's inspired by the farming. But then I guess then it has like another twist where it sort of reminds you of, I guess it's the the crimson the nether sprouts. I guess mm-hmm. yeah, they kind of have that look to it before it gets into the too tall phase, the the single high block. Um, it's not a color that I would expect in the nether in terms of like the actual the actual plant it's quite a navy blue which i would have i would have thought would have been more of i was expecting more of a turquoise um, yeah because of the, like war- warped forests and things like that right the better nether mod actually has some really interesting overhauls for nether biomes there's some wacky stuff in there like it, it doesn't feel like it's necessarily following minecraft's sort of color palette for the nether at all like there's a bit more yellow kind of creeps in there and there are even some generated structures which are like wild looking for the nether there's sort of a nether equivalent of an ancient city um or or a or an end city almost that's built out there that looks very formal and structural for the nether and not like grim and foreboding the way bastions and nether fortresses do so it's a bit of a twist and really takes it into modded territory a lot more than than something that feels vanilla plus um, but yeah, th- those I only know about those nether cities. I haven't found one yet, but they are the only other place that you can get those reed tile blocks in larger quantities, and it involves exploring the nether, which is going to be more dangerous because they've added some more wacky mobs to the nether. It's not as bad as like something like RL Craft, where you're just going to be insta-killed without any prior warning, but I'm also a little bit apprehensive that this is a server where we have a limited number of lives, and I'm going to die before I even finish building my first house. So I'm doing it the slow and safe way. I am very much the tortoise in this scenario, but hopefully it's going to come together pretty well. Um, in the meantime, though, We are, of course, gearing up for 1.20, and I have recorded a farewell to the Season 2 world for the Minecraft Survival Guide, which I haven't logged into, hand on heart, since 119.3 was the current version, so I have definitely skipped a minor update, at least. And it shows in that I logged in to do this sort of farewell, and I was going to go around a few of the landmarks of the series and talk about, you know, we had fun building this, and this is the stuff that I'm really proud of, and I didn't know my way around my own set of nether tunnels. Like, I'd forgotten which way it was to get to the Guardian farm, or anything like that, and I didn't recognize half of it as I was touring around, which kind of went hand in hand with what I was going to say about how distant I have felt from that world when Empires has taken so much of my focus that that really became my home for a really long time in a way that Survival Guide Season 2 didn't feel that way where Survival Guide Season 1 might have. So... I'm looking forward to season three and I'm moving into season three with the philosophy that I want to fall in love with the world from a very early stage and that's what we were talking about in previous weeks talking about looking for world seeds and I believe I have found the survival guide season three world seed just on stream I was re-rolling a few seeds on chunk base using their 1.20 preset where you can see where the uh, the biomes are for the newer generation with cherry groves and everything like that and I found a really cool seed that I did not explore too much. I know there is a desert within a couple of thousand blocks of my spawn point, and the 
other biomes that I want are in fairly close proximity. The other thing I know is that about 500 blocks or so away, like a, a small trek away from the spawn point, there is this mountain that's got frozen peaks at the top, and it's got waterfalls kind of running down the side naturally from water sources in the mountainside, and it has a few cherry trees kind of dotted around. Not like a full cherry grove biome, but there's this really neat effect where as the water flows through the cherry biome, it changes color and then changes back into the more natural color it has for the rest of the meadow biome, mountainside kind of biome going down into the plains. And it looks sort of subtly like a reflection on the water almost, like the sun is reflecting off of it. But it was enough of a cool looking landmark that I thought, you know what, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind looking at that every day for the next year. So I want to build my starter house in this world facing that mountain. And that's what I'm going to call the beginning of Survival Guide Season 3. So I'm going to do an episode later this week about the process of picking a world seed and looking for something like that. But I think I'm going to introduce the world at that point, And then we're going to start with Episode 1, surviving your first night, get yourself a bed and a house built, that kind of thing. And uh, we'll see how things go from there. That is a really cool landmark and now that you mention it like i was just looking at it going like yeah that looks cool but then now that you mentioned the, the watercolor changing that that looks really really um what's the word i'm looking for peaceful like it just yeah. it has like a yeah. it has like a, a a painting vibe to it like the the light being controlled by the artist that kind of a thing yeah and, yeah it, it feels very zen to me and mm -hmm. yeah like it, it almost looks like the water effect kind of has a reflection like you're running shaders but i'm not um and so <laughs> there's just like little things like that that i want to make people aware of just the natural beauty of vanilla minecraft and mm -hmm. it's the mm -hmm. kind of thing where with empire season two like i found that world seed and we immediately kind of went yes this is the one like the landscape here looks awesome and survival guide season two was the opposite i spawned in a birch forest all of the terrain was really flat it didn't really feel like the best 118 had to offer and this just feels like enough of a taste of really cool landscapes that we can still go out and find something more impressive we're not just like you know starting off with the best there is but i think it's cool enough that we can we can look at that we can go up there maybe mine some iron get some emerald ore or something and then we can see what else the rest of the world has to offer I'm always tempted when you see stuff like that to build on it. Like how cool would that be to create like a garden and control the water and have it change directions and do all the things that you want it to do as on its way down the mountain. But then if you're on it, you never see it. You know what I mean? Like when you're, when yeah. you have your starter house on the mountain, you're never actually looking at it. You're just, you're always, um, kind of exploring within the build and, uh, when, when you have something like that, it goes back to what we were talking about a few episodes ago when we were talking about framing, you know, and, and creating different views. So now as you're building your starter house and then the subsequent areas around that starter house, you know, whether it's nether portals or different infrastructure, different builds you want to do, farms and things, you can then keep this really cool location in mind as you do all of that. You know, like every time you exit your starter house, you're going to see this, you know, yeah. how is that going to be framed and how it's going to affect... Even I, I, I would go as far to say when you have something really cool like this, it affects your mood when you're playing yeah. Minecraft. Uh, I have a very cool mountain that has kind of like a hook to it. It's there's nothing special about it. It's just like a, a default Minecraft mountain, but it's just it's surrounded by dark oak forest. It rises up out of it. It's not even 118 like if this is really, really like 112, 113 landscape and it's near 
uh, my swamp base. So whenever I pop back to the swamp base to pick up extra cobblestone or stone or whatever it is that I have uh, hoarded there, whenever I'm leaving to li go through the nether portal, you look straight at this thing on your way out of the of the swamp base. And it's just, it always just brings me a little bit of happiness just because it looks so cool. Yeah, like that's what I'm really looking for is something that I can I can look at every day and it makes me excited to play this game. And so I think that's uh, really where I wanted to start season three of Survival Guide from. So let's, uh, let's hope that's going to go well. Um, we are looking at a couple of pre-releases and release candidates uh, from the last week in our newsread, so we'll get right to that. This is Minecraft Java Edition 1.20 pre-release 7, which was released on May 29th, actually during our recording last week, although we didn't get it quite in time to feature it in the main show. There are only a couple of small changes and one bug fix. So the changes in 1.20 pre-release 7 were to improve safety. The game will now detect symbolic links used inside the world directory. For a full detailed explanation, there is a help article linked in our show notes and on the minecraft.net blog post but here's a quick quote from the help article for a bit of context symbolic links can sometimes be useful when you want to place content in different locations but some application in this case minecraft expects those files to exist in a certain location like for example wanting some minecraft worlds to be placed on a separate storage device a different hard drive or something like that because a symbolic link could lead Anywhere on your drive, having a symbolic link show up unexpectedly can mean Minecraft could read or write files it is not supposed to. So from this safety change, if the target of a symbolic link is not on the user configured allow list, the game will not proceed with loading the world. Note that the world directory itself can still be linked, and the list of allowed symbolic link targets is stored in the file allowed underscore symlinks.txt in the client or server top directory. So if you're aware of something like that in a world that you want to download, then that's all very well. But it stops Minecraft from accidentally or it perhaps intentionally with malicious intent rewriting some files that the game client is just going to be directed to by launching a world. The one bug fix in 1.20 pre-release 7 is that bamboo mosaic slabs and stairs were not in the hashtag slabs and hashtag stairs block and item tags. That's now been fixed. Minecraft Java Edition 1.20 release candidate 1 was released on May 31st. And it says, if all goes well, no further changes will be made before the full release of Minecraft 1.20 on Wednesday, June 7th next week. So keep your eyes peeled in case there are any other release candidates over the next couple of days. But otherwise, we're looking at the full release of the Trails and Tales update on Wednesday. There are two fixed bugs in release candidate one, which was that knowledge books, the ones that you use to unlock recipes in adventure maps and areas where limited crafting is in effect, those could not be placed in chiseled bookshelves, but that has now been fixed. So you can maybe pull them out of an adventure map, chiseled bookshelf and unlock some recipes that way. The other one was pitcher plants breaking and floating when growing without enough light. That's now been fixed. So they break the same way normal crops do. While Trails and Tales drops on Wednesday, the Citadel won't update until all of our quality of life mods are updated and stable mm -hmm. and i and i also have to find time to actually back up and update the server and update everything and so until then i guess it's time to crack on the trails and tales to-do list because um everything seems to be falling in order like there doesn't seem to be any major switches um it's all security and and you know final uh, little tweaks here and there so um i'm planning on digging up some netherite at some point later this week uh, I might even start a temporary bamboo farm. I can't anticipate myself using bamboo wood a lot, but you never know. And there's nothing worse than wanting to use it and not having a lot of bamboo already around yeah. when you yeah, when yeah. you know you could have, <laughs> you know. 
Um, and then one large thing on the to-do list uh, is to reset the outer end islands because I'm noticing that I am kind of hitting my limit on shulker boxes and I want to go get them uh, in an easier fashion. And so resetting the end islands is, is something that I want to take care of. And in prepping for our main discussion this week, I was looking back at some of the things and one of the bugs that was fixed over the last several um, minor updates is, um, I, I think it was fixed this, this cycle, was going through a, an end gateway and um, being spat out into the into the void. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen to me, but it happened to a couple of server mates, which is not a good feeling at all. And so uh, we have to, or I have to, via commands or whatever admin tools I can find, remove all of our gateways around the main end island and um, then reset the outer end islands. Then we'll have a number of dragon fights to, to deal with uh, off the start of 1.20 in order to get access to the end again, to, to the outer islands. And so then we'll do that until we re renew all the, the, um, the gateways, but that like, that's kind of, that's kind of my to-do list. Um, not necessarily before 1.20 drops, but like just the kind of things that taking the opportunity for uh, a, a Minecraft update to then update some things on the server. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. it it's, I'm nowhere near finished West Hill, but there's definitely some, I guess, breaks that I'll be taking to to spice things up a little bit, change up the gameplay, take advantage of of 1.20 when it drops, like that kind of stuff. Because I need some hanging signs and things like that. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's it's um, I can't believe it's so close now. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to starting this new world and and getting to grips with it. I've obviously played a little bit of the. Uh, pre-releases for the Minecraft bingo challenges that I've been doing but that's really the major experiences of 1.20 I've had outside of snapshots that we played you know a couple of months ago at this stage uh, so it's going to feel a little bit fresh to me again and uh, New Life the modded server is staying on 119.2 because of mods and so forth um, and probably won't be updating even if the mods do just for the sake of a, a coherent experience and as little extra admin as needs to happen so everybody else is going to be, if they want to explore 1.20, they're going to have single-player worlds or temporary servers or, like, long-term SMPs in vanilla that they're going to be playing around with. And Survival Guide is going to be my way, main way of exploring a 1.20 world. But, yeah, I, I am not needing to do all of the kind of prepping and going and getting netherite and setting up a bamboo farm right away, but those will be pretty high on the list once we start the series. And I'm really interested in the new netherite upgrade path and all of the stuff that's going to affect Minecraft gameplay for the foreseeable future really being brought to bear on a new world. So without spoiling any of your plans, I know that you mentioned in a previous episode that you're approaching the survival guide season three like you play Minecraft, not mm. so much of a, this is someone's first introductory into Minecraft and then here's a, a basic way of, of getting through it. This is like, I'm approaching it from, from my way. So does that mean that you might be heading for netherite or some tool upgrades a little bit sooner? Like, is that what you mean by the way that you play? I mean, a little bit more that I don't want to hold myself back into right. ju okay. just, just it being like the vanilla experience with no quality of life changes or anything like that. Like I... If I have a large build I want to do, now that I know a bit more about it, I probably am going to be using tools like Lightmatica to help me um, and, and oh, cover those in the series and, and treat it a lot more like this is my Minecraft world and here's how I would play it. Um, as far as the 
rushing the progression of stuff. Like, I tend to not do that stuff much anyway. Like, even in the original survival guide, I didn't go through the stages of let's craft all the wooden tools first and let's get leather armor first and the stuff that you sort of don't find too practical. I, I right. still wanted everybody to start by doing stuff more or less the same way that I would do them. Like, you make your first wooden pickaxe, you mine three stone, you throw the wooden pickaxe in the furnace and you make a stone pickaxe and that's how you move on from there because it's just better that way. And... I don't, I don't want to necessarily hold people up too much with that. I I think there's a few things that are going to be brought to bear in the way the season goes. Primarily that I want to try and keep the tutorial information in a bite-sized chunk at the beginning of the episode. And then for the people who are impatient and just want to know how to do something and don't need all of the whys and wherefores, then I can leave that at the very beginning and then those people can you know, go ahead and follow those instructions themselves and, and continue to do it in their own worlds. And then all of the context and all of the extra, like, let's play style stuff is going to be for the second half of the video so that anybody who wants to stick around for that content can. And that's the way I probably want to structure things going forward, but we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. It's going to be uh, an interesting process working out how these tutorial videos are done again because it's been a little while since I did any. Very, very cool. Moving on into chunk mail, if you would like to email the show, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. And it would be fantastic to hear from the community about their first impressions in Trails and Tales. And there will be some time. So uh, make sure you send those in, spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Email this week comes in from Kaser Trailers and Tales. Greetings, Johnny and Joel. I recently rewatched re some of Minecraft cinematic trailers, specifically the Nether update and the Caves and Cliffs Part 2 trailers, which I find quite funny. I wondered if it was possible to make Minecraft feel like the trailers, which have a very different style and vibe than the vanilla game and graphics. In my research, I stumbled upon a mod pack created by content creator Low Res Bones that uses a few mods, the Bare Bones Texture Pack, as well as BSL shaders with custom settings run on Optifine to make Minecraft look and feel like the trailers. You can also substitute Sodium and Iris mods for Optifine if you know what other mods to use. Even though I could not run the BSL shaders with more than three frames per second, rip my potato PC, I was very impressed with the results which made the game look so much more like the cinematics than vanilla Minecraft. The custom shader settings brighten the game and in combination with the bare bones texture pack, which is inspired by the trailers, looks fantastic. Lores Bones used this mod pack in the Let's Play series, which has many cool shots and many cool shots made with replay mod, which add to the trailer vibes even further. I would definitely recommend this pack for a short playthrough for, or for a change of scenery for anyone who is getting a new angle, uh, sometimes on a dull vanilla set of graphics. Kaser got lost wandering through his trailer world while his laptop started smoking. <laughs> don't smoke kids and laptops actually that's uh, good advice for everybody all around but um yeah i i just took a look at the uh the low res bones youtube channel because there's a uh a, a living inside the minecraft trailer video there that we will have linked in our show notes and it's very accurate i think it's not necessarily a way i would want to play because a lot of the textures in minecraft are so well done in terms of detail and the art style that they use for their trailers tends to flatten a lot of those and make them a lot more 
cartoony for want of a better word, right? They, they seem very low res or at least kind of lo-fi and there's a few flat colors being used instead of the subtlety that you get in a dirt block. Um, and so there's, you know, just something that just feels uncanny to me about it. But Low Rose Bones has done a really good job of emulating that trailer graphic style. And I think it's a, uh, a fun experiment, at least if you're really entranced by the, the graphics that they use for the, the trailers, the cinematics uh, that come from the official Minecraft channel. And in that first episode, there's a quick explanation about the 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 mission, like what why they decided to do this and mm -hmm. what they're planning on doing. And um, I I'm pretty sure it's all family friendly. It, it seems so. I've watched a good chunk of the first episode there. Uh, pretty pretty jolly person too. It seems like a lot of fun. You know, like I've uh, the way that they were talking about smelting something. I'm I'm they were saying something along the lines of like i'm smelting something with a door because minecraft like just, yeah, just the, yeah. the randomness that that can happen in this in this game it was a bit to get used to like looking at the way that the the textures are in the the bare bones texture pack it it reminds me a little bit of minecraft dungeons in terms of like looking like a proper cartoon mm -hmm. uh, with all yeah. the lighting and stuff i'd be curious uh even just for myself because i use bsl shaders when i'm sharing screenshots of westill to check out to see what the custom settings are for those bsl shaders so even if i didn't use the texture pack just using the, the the special settings on shaders which i find overly complicated and something i don't necessarily understand um having some very bright um vibrant cartoony lighting in minecraft might be kind of cool um to kind of because sometimes i feel like if shaders look too realistic they fight with the cartoony graph graphics of vanilla minecraft Mm -hmm. And so finding the right kind of settings on your shaders can really kind of help work with the graphics in Minecraft as opposed to against them. So I'm curious about those. There is a shader pack I've seen a few people using recently, which I believe is complementary reimagined. I think that's the one it is uh, that rounds off the corners of clouds, but still has them as kind of cuboid shapes just with like rounded corners. And that's always looked really cartoony to me and more in the style of the kind of clouds that you see in like Minecraft Legends. Um, so there's there's definitely a few more cartoony style shader packs out there that might might contribute to this aesthetic really well. But uh, yeah, like neat email. I, I guess there's not really much in the way of discussion to be had here, but more of a recommendation. But I think that's, um, yeah, a, a fun thing to try, I think, for uh, anybody who wants to refresh Minecraft's aesthetic a little bit. Moving into our main discussion this week, we are going to take a short look back at Minecraft 119, the wild update. With Minecraft Trails and Tales launching this Wednesday, June 7th, uh, we thought we'd take the opportunity to look back at 119, the wild update, and talk about the features introduced, what we enjoyed, what we hoped for, uh, what we may have missed altogether, what might have fallen short of our expectations. We'll have links to the fandom.com articles for Minecraft 119, as well as .1, and .4. Uh, but we're mostly going to discuss like the main tentpole features I think that came in with with 119. Yeah, and in terms of things we liked, I, from my perspective at least, there was a lot to like about 119. It was, of course, uh, <laughs> a controversial one in the sense that a lot of people imagined that 
the deep dark was going to be added as early as Minecraft 117 back when the Caves and Cliffs update wasn't split into two parts and so it feels like the deep dark and ancient cities and the warden were really a long time coming but personally ignoring all of the history of that I think raiding an ancient city encountering the warden and that stuff felt like the major feature of this update and having done it a bunch of times both in the survival guide in multiplayer in in empires and in a few other places it's a very cool experience it felt very different to anything we could do before and there are even a range of approaches to doing it it was really signposted as a stealth experience creeping around the city and trying to avoid being detected both by the blocks around you and then the creatures that would appear and there's wool everywhere to help you disguise your footsteps and and blend in with the environment a little bit but then i've been part of raids where other people have just sprinted through the ancient city putting distance between themselves and the warden before it can have time to hear them or smell them uh, whereas i tend to approach them still very carefully in what i think is the intended experience where you're creeping around bridging with wool and running away when the warden pops up and waiting for it to go away again and i think both are equally successful and i think it speaks to a, a good robust set of mechanics in minecraft when players can approach them in a variety of different ways because there are di different gameplay styles and mojang has mentioned in the past being aware of them but the fact that this isn't really intended to cater to such a variety of styles but it's still viable that it does anyway is is a very good thing to me and I mean, I can only speak from watching you and and um, seeing other people go through it as well. I think it's cool. I didn't actually experience it myself. But as I've mentioned uh, in the previous weeks on the show, I've been up to my eyeballs in building this medieval city. And so unless it was serving the project, I didn't necessarily venture out into 119 content that didn't help me build West Hill better, faster, stronger. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I haven't experienced the warden myself, but I still have it on like that checklist of like cool things added to Minecraft, you know, things like the deep dark. I like the idea of skulk sensors. I like the idea of all the things that come with the ancient city and the warden and that experience. I just haven't yet experienced it for myself. I am hoping to, to catch up on that because in future projects, I'm planning on um, expanding beyond. There, there may all be, there might be a, a rule where I don't build with wood and stone for a while. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. just just to kind of force myself into some different palettes and try to explore some new stuff and and in in that i think it will be visiting the deep dark in the ancient city and, and probably have to contend with the warden at, at some point well let's talk about the stuff that has been impacting your experience building west hill um new building blocks were added we've got mangrove wood and with it mangrove leaves i feel like you know whilst the leaves are part of the trees anyway we really shouldn't take them for granted in that sense because they have one of the more usable leaf textures that we've seen added recently being like vertical stripes of leaves that feel like they're a lot more defined by gravity i guess um i found mangrove wood a really great addition i think the one thing that has soured it for a few people is it being frustrating to farm because the logs aren't all connected and they're very large trees so you get a lot of leaves and a relatively slim amount of logs i personally have found that a great use 
for Alays to have them gather the leaves and the roots as you demolish those with a hoe or an axe, and then you just leave yourself with the wood blocks and they go off and compost all of that stuff. But we've got mud that was added as well, and with mud comes packed mud and mud bricks. So you must have found some stuff to love in the block palette of 1.19. Oh, absolutely. Like mangrove swamps are actually the top tier for me. Like that is the biggest change uh, that that they added for me for 119 because it includes, like you said, the wood, the leaves, the roots, the muddy mangrove roots. Uh, I, I agree that they are a pain to um, to chop down. I think honestly, you're you're better off rather than trying to like plant propagules and grow them yourself. I think you'd be better off to just try to find a mangrove swamp that you either don't like or is so big that if you start harvesting from one side of it, no one else in the server is going to know. Mm -hmm. uh, and just just demolish, just take an hour and just demolish as much as you can because you get everything. Like you get muddy roots, you get roots, you get wood, you get leaves, you get more leaves than you know what to do with. Yeah, uh, they're big. They're big trees, and and I love the leaves. I use them all over the place in custom trees, custom bushes, custom gardens, shrubbery, thickets. Like I've been able to do so much with those leaves because they change color with the biome, which is fantastic. Um, and and they're a new leaf design. Like they're a modern Minecraft uh, texture compared to something like oak leaves and other things. And because of that, they um, they feel fuller. Uh, with their design. And, and as you mentioned, their directional design is very handy because they can do like weeping willow trees and hanging vines and things like that. And so I've been using those a lot. Uh, roots, I also think are great. I've been putting roots uh, coming down into the water. Um, that I, was it 119 where they allowed us to waterlog leaves and stuff? That's how that happened, right? Because the roots did it and then the leaves all followed suit. Yes. Did that, I, did that happen I, in 118 before the release of 119? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was a 119 thing on Java. It's been a thing on Bedrock Edition for a ah, while. Right. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it's since 119 that it's been catching people out and they try and do the water bucket trick and land on some leaves <laughs> and it doesn't work <laughs> out so well for them. But uh, yeah, no, I think I think 119 has really introduced that. Because I remember us talking about that when you were talking about waterscaping the, the river in exactly. West Hill and, and yeah. adding all of the uh, the kind of waterlogged plants in that. So that and that's something that's really changed the way that I, I handle any kind of plant that goes into the water. Uh, it, it's really, really fun to have those kind of layers of things in Minecraft now. Having roots that you have from your bushes actually go down into the into the water just like they do in real life, like that kind of stuff is is really, really cool. And I also find that roots are great for custom trees. Like if you want the the log of a custom tree to slowly start to look like it turns into branches using roots within your tree can kind of help with that it's not perfect but it like it, it's better than a fence gate in many cases uh so that can be a, a lot of fun to work with as well uh mud packed mud mud bricks i've used those on many builds roofing mangrove wood as well roofing um i didn't necessarily make any bright red houses but red roofs look good um and i think i combined uh, jungle wood and mangrove wood. I've combined um, dark oak and mud bricks in lots of cases. Uh, the mud bricks in particular really jive well with a lot of the wood blocks in Minecraft because of their their tone. Mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit of purple in there, but um, that stuff was, was pretty fun. And I like frog lights. I like the idea of frog lights. I don't think I worked with any in West Hill, but I'm seemingly remembering... A time when i did handle some i feel like i might have used them when i helped cosmic build their 
um, flower farm. I might have used frog lights for lights for that farm just because of how bright and colorful they are and it kind of suits with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have not yet found a way to use them in West Hill. I got a funny feeling had I been doing something like a ethereal elven build or something like that, I probably would have jumped right for the frog lights, but I still think they're awesome. I just just haven't quite found the excuse. And that's that's a good example of West Hill kind of getting in the way. You know, like I feel like I would have totally used frog lights because I know you did. You you used frog lights heavily in Empires. Yeah, I, I ended up using them more in organic builds than structures, though. I used them as, like, fruit in trees. And that was more of an allusion to the fact that I was farming them and it was one of the products of my empire on Empires, where we were splitting the farming responsibilities between all of us and selling different resources to each other. And I really liked the opportunity to work with frogs because they were such a neat addition they have tons of personality to them i think in terms of the animations and the the fact that they're going around like you know flicking their tongues at slimes and 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 farming stuff that way like that that was a lot of fun um but i didn't interact with the frogs much beyond setting up a frog light farm and that was really just to have a lot of them to to play around with um like you though i really enjoyed the fact that they existed i think i'm going to be able to use them more in structures when i have more kind of color thematic builds to do and most of the stuff i was building in the capital was grayscale <laughs> so um that's why mud blocks were probably one of the keystones of my aesthetic in empires 2 because the regular mud on its own looked like a darker toned stone block and that was a lot more viable to use in tandem with stuff like polished basalt and deep slate and some of the stuff that looks a little bit older and craggy and run down and stained by uh, by age and so i ended up using that a lot and then in the areas where there was a path that had been trodden over and and you know overgrown again by by dirt and by grass i ended up using the mud bricks and packed mud in there quite a lot for texture so yeah like like you i think mud blocks are probably some of the uh, the cooler additions in terms of the block palette this time around. One thing that I thought was a little bit shy in the mud block, I guess, palette was um, stairs and slabs and walls for packed mud. Yeah, where, where it's like the slightly cleaner block, uh, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> is is it cleaner yeah. if it's mud? It kind of difficult to tell. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the one with a little bit less texture to it, the, the slightly kind of lighter on the texture side. But yeah, I, I can see that. I can see those being kind of a a neat thing to have because it's just solid blocks and it only starts to break down into slabs and stairs and walls when you use mud bricks right so yeah definitely uh room for a bit of expansion there but i think you can argue that about a lot of different materials in minecraft at this stage um there's a few other additions really that i really liked about 119 um i i don't want to go through this conversation without mentioning the soundtrack i think a lot of lena rain's best work was in the caves and cliffs update soundtrack but one of those tracks was held back because it was related to the deep dark and that was ancestry which is a lot creepier than i think some of the other tracks on the caves and cliffs soundtrack were um, but we also had the additions of airy firebugs and labyrinthine and those are all really good uh, there's a lot of atmosphere to them there's a bit of nostalgic feeling in airy and I feel like it actually segues really nicely into Aaron Sheroff's work on 1.20. So I'm excited to put some more of the music together from the last couple of updates and see how that fits together. 
obviously you and I don't play with the in-game music on a great deal because we're, you know, streaming and we've got other music going on in the background and the music kind of fades in and out. And some of it even applies to very specific biomes. So if you're working in West Hill, you're kind of in the same biome quite frequently. So I imagine you'd only get the same three or four tracks if you enabled it anyway. But throwing music in for my videos and occasionally listening to it as background music on streams, there's a nice variety to the soundtrack in, in 119 now. I, I remember going over it when, when it first came out, and I, I'm always here for, for good music and, and new music in, in Minecraft. I, I need to maybe expand some of the things that I play on my breaks, you know, when I'm going for uh, short breaks on stream. And uh, what I've been streaming satisfactory and, and in some cases getting kind of done with the royalty-free um, synthwave stuff that I've been listening to. And I've been throwing on the Minecraft soundtrack because I, I know that it won't get pinged for, you know, copyright because it's another video game. And and that's been good because the the satisfactory has the same sort of chill vibe that Minecraft mm -hmm. does a lot of the time. Yeah, so yeah, it's worked out quite well. And and I can't say that it was my idea. I saw it on another another creator video. Uh, what Darren plays was doing as well. It's a weird experience when you're watching somebody else's video playing a different game, and you're like, wait a minute, this is the Minecraft soundtrack. <laughs> like, yeah. why am I having like Minecraft vibes when I'm watching something entirely different? And it, it's it's interesting how the the game music actually fits other games even though you associate it so strongly with minecraft it's yeah uh, it's a fun, fun way to look at things with you having not interacted with the deep dark much did you ever bother with the swift sneak enchantment did anybody bring you an enchanted book for swift sneak or did you uh not get around to that i'm gonna pretend that i didn't forget that it exists entirely <laughs> uh, yeah yeah that's fair and say i you know what i just it's one of those things where I'm end game. I'm, I have netherite boots and iron pants, elytra and a gold helmet. Everything that I'm wearing is currently for function. And in hindsight, I probably could have used it for all of the, you know, scaffolding walking and things that I'm doing where, well, you can't sneak on scaffolding anyway, but like being high up and working on things where you don't want to fall off the edge of a roof, you know, on a tower, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then being able to decorate and move around at a faster pace probably would have been very useful. But I just didn't really have it high on my priority list. And I think because of the the lack of need to go into ancient cities, I just I just said, all right, well, that's just not something I'm gonna bother with. Um, because it was there's a number of other things that I just didn't find very interesting about that. And so Swift Sneak kind of got lumped in there. Um I um I I do have to upgrade gear and and move that stuff forward going into 1.20. I might look at Swift Sneak and see what it's like, you know, just to kind of like finally get a pair of netherite pants just to have and then just like add those to them. Um, if I have multiple sets of armor, if I delve into the armor trim in 1.20, I might have like a set of Swift Sneak pants and a set without, you know, and have different trim on them so I can easily tell them apart, that kind of stuff. But but no, I, I never really get into that. There's a bunch of other things that I didn't really uh, get into in the deep dark, like, and no shade to it. Like, um, disc fragments for people that like to collect that kind of stuff, echo shards, um, the recovery compass, like none of that was anything that I looked at in, in 1.19 because it just wasn't part of my, my mission for West Hill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like swift sneak for me, like completely the opposite. I needed it as soon as possible because one of my first projects on empires was going to be building a giant bridge across that lake. And mm. uh, I, I really wanted it just so it made bridging faster, which meant placing blocks faster. And I probably saved hours on that build alone just by having Swift Sneak in my set of enchants. It got to the point where 
I really missed it. If I, I like, I lost my gear at one point and I died, and Interesting. my pants were made of diamonds, so they burned in the lava that I fell into instead of being saved like netherite gear. And I genuinely, f- I felt the loss in the same way that you miss having Depth Strider when you start a new world and you're going through oh, a lake right. or something. So yeah, like I, I genuinely f- feel like Swift Sneak is like a huge quality of life improvement especially if you're like me and i habitually crouch when i'm mining or when i'm like sneaking on a like a a bridge across like a lava lake or something it feels safer to me to duck a little bit (laughs) but then i need to be still be moving fast in case a ghast fireballs me or something in the nether so i i really felt like swift sneak was a a really cool improvement Uh, there are even some circumstances in which the speed boost it gives you actually allows you to go faster because you can kind of sprint into a swift sneak which means you move a little bit faster and then if you sneak diagonally it's actually kind of possible to move faster than you do if you're walking forwards and so there's actually some interesting like movement tech in there for people who are interested in that although i don't think it will help speedrun as much because acquiring swift sneak in the first place is not worth the time but um yeah those there's, there's a, a few things like that that i do think are the unsung heroes of 119 and things that we start to take for granted once we've had them for a while that you really feel the loss once you've uh yeah not got them for whatever reason um but like you yeah i I agree there are some things that have room for improvement or things that didn't really work for my gameplay style and you brought up the recovery compass that's one for me like it sounds like a great idea on paper but it doesn't really fit my gameplay style at all i'm a fairly careful player i don't die a great deal and if i die chances are I knew where I was when I died. So I had to effectively think of a reason to use it in order to interact with it, and I kind of crowbarred it into an episode where I died intentionally so a compass would point me in the right direction for something that I could then say, j'accuse, that somebody had stolen from me, because the compass was pointing to their house. And, you know, that wasn't necessarily how it was intended to be used, but a, a fun way of using it, perhaps a more creative way of using it, not the function of the piece itself, but most of the time you're not going to worry too much about dying like that. And with hardcore being such a popular playstyle, as we've heard before, the recovery compass has absolutely nothing like to do in a hardcore world because if you've died, then that's it anyway. Um, I think as we've heard through many emails to the show, echo shards are something people still feel like has a lot of potential that is currently untapped. They do need a few more uses for them to really feel justified aside from, you know, a recovery compass that's an item people aren't going to mess with too much. And we've got a few things like Skulk Sensors, which are seeing an expansion in 1.20, right? They're getting the calibrated Skulk Sensor and an interaction with Amethyst Shards and a new crafting recipe for those, whereas the Echo Shard has been left currently untouched, and I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that they have something in mind for that in future. The other big one for me is Goat Horns. Uh, They're a really cool idea, and obviously if you combine them with data packs and resource packs and a few kind of behind-the-scenes mods, folks like Hermitcraft have turned those into, you know, all sorts of pranks and different things that just play sound clips for you and stuff like that that you can use for a variety of cool concepts. But the vanilla set of those I don't really interact with all that much. And they've even become my nemesis in Minecraft Bingo for a while, where if a goat horn showed up as an item to get on a card, you had to either luck into a pillager outpost that had one, or you were spending 20 minutes up a mountain trying to coax a goat into hitting you. So it was kind of a, uh, uh, I don't know, not not necessarily a missed opportunity, because they always, they do what they said they were going to do, but I kind of feel like 
I, I wish there were more excuses to use them in game really yeah i didn't explore the goat horns at all because i didn't have any use for them or any interest in that kind of stuff like it kind of falls in that same category for me as, as streams that have um audience controlled sound interruptions where it just yeah becomes, sure yeah sound alerts a, and stuff you yeah. think it's a good idea for the first 30 seconds and then after people start using channel points to like spam creeper noises like i just <laughs> i can't do it uh and that's where i thought the goat horn thing was for me as a vanilla feature but like you i was very entertained and very interested in how hermacraft and some other you know players were, were messing around with them and using them for for some fun things because and i think that in a way you know you've got some people out there in those servers that i just mentioned that are very experienced minecraft players who don't really find a great use for these things as they are in the vanilla game these are very creative people and so for them to say like all right well these don't really do much let's make them do something and i and i think that kind of speaks to like how i don't want to say boring but like how simple they are in vanilla minecraft and what the potential could be if there was a little bit more going on but um i you know we've talked about music and sound in minecraft and it, they're making headway you know so that means sometimes the, the spaghetti noodle sticks to the wall sometimes it doesn't um i didn't really interact with goats that much either i actually wanted to start putting like livestock and stuff around west hill but because of the way that livestock currently works i can't even keep a pig in a pen because I'm, if i want the pen to be decorated at all and not just look like a fence square then the pigs just walk out like they just they yeah. walk over a block or they just like they find a way to get up on a roof or something you're just like okay i'm done it's just it's imaginary wildlife from here on in uh even if you tether something to a post with a with a lead it tends to like the chunks unload the lead pops off and then the pig disappears and it's just the whole thing uh, i did receive a very good goat prank though which was uh the goat in the boat in the moat in <laughs> my keep which i was very funny uh and so that's that's uh one of my fonder memories from 119 with with the goats but that's the only time I, that i ever you know interacted with one was like experiencing that prank and then like i've, I've never gone to look for them um apparently they were quite hard to find the people that uh, that did the prank were just like this took forever just so you know <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah they, they are like, a little bit few and far between and you need to get one in a boat for the advancement as well um so that's one other reason to interact with goats but aside from that and the occasional like emergency milk source if you can't find a, a cow but you have bad omen that you need to get rid of or something then you know yeah you, you can you can use goats for stuff like that but they don't have too many other uses besides and yeah i've seen people try and farm stuff with them but there are always going to be more effective ways of farming it's just if you want to do something creative and wacky then you can get ramming goats to uh, help you with those um likewise chest boats i found that i didn't really spend a great deal of time with at all and I, I like the fact that they exist. I think it's useful. And they do have a few technical uses in sort of being storage buffers and condensing, uh, you know, hopper outputs into a single space. But I tend to avoid them because if I'm using them to travel, I usually break my boat when I arrive somewhere. And if I've used the inventory at all, then suddenly my player inventory is flooded with items. Um, and so I feel like they are almost better as a static thing than they are as a transport thing unless you're living a very nomadic lifestyle i know why they don't keep their contents when they're broken like a shulker box because they'd be outstandingly cheap as an alternative to shulker boxes but yeah i do think that they um they they sound better on paper than they are 
in practice, kind of the same way as the recovery compass for me. I could see them being very useful early game, you know, like when you're trying to find that right spot to set up shop and you've been traveling for a while and you've got to bring stuff with you that you know you're going to need and you don't want to have to do these long runs back and forth. I get that. Um, I think the reason I haven't used them is because the Citadel is just so late game and I've got shulker boxes everywhere. That yeah, yeah, that's Practically, true. there's no real use for them. However, as you mentioned, I can see myself absolutely in the future with like a sorting system or something that's pumping out a lot of you know, some farm that just has a really high volume, that bamboo farm I mentioned earlier, you know, I could see me, you know, using them in a technical setting, you know, with, with the way that they um, interact with hoppers and whatnot. Um, I have not yet used them as decoration. I kind of forgot that they existed. And I think one of the other reasons I haven't put them around at the, like the edges of docks in and around West Hill, I think that they have a different texture. I have custom textures on chests and trap chests my trap chests look like oak, sorry, spruce chests. Mm. And my oak chests look like oak wood with like iron trimming. So they don't have, it's not like the default orangey look that, that Minecraft yeah. chests have. And I'm pretty sure I have to double, I'd have to check, but I'm pretty sure I built one and I was like, oh, right. This has got the old Minecraft vanilla chest boat texture or, mm -hmm. or a chest texture in the boat. And um, so I'll have to go back and, and test it out. But that would be cool, though, because with all the different woods that are in the game, uh, especially with cherry wood coming in 1.20, creating textures for those various um, chest boats would be cool in that you could do either matching like a cherry chest inside of a cherry boat or if something um, like a, a birch chest would look better or add a little bit of contrast in a cherry boat. You could do that too. But just for decoration purposes, you know, just kind of have them around. I just like the idea of like maybe a, a riverside dock that's used for travel or transport or ferrying would have like a chest in it, you know, for people that were bringing goods back and forth, that kind of thing. Yeah, that was going to be my next question was like, do, do you think that cherry or bamboo is going to bring you around to the chest boat? Because I like the idea, like I think rafts as a, you know an alternative to the boat model have enough personality of their own that i think having like a chest on a raft feels quite natural looking to me so i mm -hmm. like the idea of taking one of those around in the early stages of my uh, 1.20 world and if you're making like a fishing village or something like that and having a, a bunch of them all lined up you know like where the morning fishermen would like moor their boats and like get everything ready to get going like that kind of stuff makes a lot of sense too especially if you can then have like other things on the docks to reinforce that there's a lot of goods going back and forth in this you know imaginary environment did you do much with the lays i did a bit i still feel like i haven't seen the full potential of them because in the early stages a lot was made of the fact that they can sort non-stackable items and that being really what they did aside from having like a a, a storage system like a static block-based storage system with hoppers and whatnot and so I never really used them for stuff like that. Most of what I used them for was like trash collection, more or less. And the main thing I've used them for was farming mangrove, as I mentioned before, like having them collect all of the organic stuff and you just left, you're left with the, the logs that you want. I found them really useful for that purpose. But outside of that, I used them for mining a couple of times and just had them collecting all of the decorative stone types while I grabbed the ores and the, and the stone and, and, separated that out i find them useful i just think the fact that they are organic mobs and that they're you know they've got their own ai and stuff and they feel 
a little unpredictable at times puts a lot of people off them and i think i'm still going to be using them in 1.20 i think it's still going to be worth having them in the game and i'm looking forward to seeing if there's anything that comes up later that they are indispensable for i don't know if that's going to be the case but i think i'll probably still keep using them for mangrove if i've got a couple handy um and i think the cherry wood at least is going to be from what i found connected enough in terms of the the leaf shape uh, shape and the the trunk of the trees that you don't need to use them for stuff like that but they'll look really nice in a cherry grove i think having little kind of fairy creatures flying around in an environment like that they're a uh, a, a very nice addition to a cherry grove i like them in theory it's what i voted for in the mob vote um i mean they're cute but ultimately not as helpful as i was hoping they were going to be i like you found whenever I was watching someone messing with them and testing with them, that they were very inaccurate. And that seemed to be something that brought more troubleshooting than they were really worth when you were trying to use them to help sort something or help collect something. I like the idea how you use them like to, to help collect um, items that are either always falling on the ground or things that are tedious to, to harvest like mangrove trees. Um, but I never say never. Uh, I could see myself using them, like you said, in de a decorative situation where, you know, they are a moving part of Minecraft and you can control mostly how they move uh, or where they're moving. And, you know, imagine a library where you want to have some fairies moving around, taking books from place to place with some hidden hoppers and some different, you know, ideas. You could make it look like you walk into this room and these fairies are just always moving books around for just for fun. Um, not necessarily useful, but certainly adds a mood. In the same way that bees flying back and forth and pollinating in an area just add movement and life to Minecraft. I think that yeah. the LAs have that ability to add movement and life, you know, when when you want them to. Um, there could be a situation, um, and I'd have to look into the, the technical part of it, but like to have a bunch of LAs that are always bringing you golden carrots or something like that. If If you walk up to the kiosk, like if you walk up to the door and say, hey, I'm here, and they throw golden carrots at you to kind of restock your your food supply. I mean, is it as practical as using it in your in your ender chest in a, in a shulker box? No, but is it more fun? Probably. Like just yeah. there's little things like that that I think they add some some whimsy to. Um, but the the way that they interact is, I think, not what people were hoping for in terms of the, the way that they kind of throw things instead of dropping them. I think that's the biggest thing for me, technically. If they walked up to a hopper, and hovered right over the middle of it and dropped things. Now it may look like they're pooping, so it's maybe why they don't do that. <laughs> but but it, like that to me would be the better way to do it rather than walking up to something, standing in front of it and throwing very inaccurately the item kind of in the general direction of the block. Like yeah. it just it 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 doesn't feel like, you know, the the way that you would want that kind of a thing to function. It's um, consistent with the player mechanic of throwing stuff out of your inventory by pressing Q. It's the the kind of blur you just kind of like vomit mm. it onto the ground in front of you, and like they, <laughs> they if if they're carrying a stack of items, they do it the same way a player does if you hold down Q, where it just comes out in like a giant stream of leaf blocks or whatever it would be. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I agree that the, the problem with allays from a technical perspective is that if you have them return stuff to a note block rather than to the player, then they're trying to return stuff to the note block rather than saying, okay, there's a note block here that's playing, so I should look for a hopper nearby. That's not the way they, they're set up. And so you have to think of some more creative solutions to that 
unfortunately the creative solution for it feels weird to do which is forcing a hopper minecart into a note block so that anything thrown in that block space ends up being picked up by the hopper minecart and you can still see the edges of the minecart sticking out the sides of the block and it's it's all stuff that we've come to sort of accept and and gloss over but it does feel kind of strange as a, a, a behavior for for players to arrange this odd contraption just so that they'll work the way you want them to it's a uh, it's an odd one um i think there's not too much else to talk about that we didn't really spend much time with uh, you already brought up the music disc and, um, you know, collecting the shards and stuff from an ancient city is kind of fun, but the disc itself is not one you really want to listen to in-game because it's a, a soundscape disc rather than being a, a, a melody. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing um, Relic from the 1.20 soundtrack in-game once we've excavated a trail ruin and we've found one of those discs. But um, yeah, I, I, by contrast, I don't really listen to music disc 5 a great deal. Um the one other thing I wanted to signpost here, uh, because I think most people have forgotten about it by now, as they should have, uh, but chat reporting became a thing in this update and was predictably not the big deal everyone thought it would be. <laughs> there was, of course, a, a bit of a, a community uproar when it was announced that chat reporting would be coming to Java as a safety feature, and a lot of people were concerned that it would lead to surveillance and unjustified bans. And from what I can tell from the community chatter that we keep an eye on, the Minecraft subreddit and, you know, Twitter communities and various places, all of that died down pretty quickly after the feature came out. And some of that may have been people finding ways around it, but most of the time I think people still are content to play vanilla Minecraft without any concern about that stuff and it just goes to show that the feature is working as intended and i think sometimes it's, it showcases how a loud minority can make it feel like it's the opinion of the community yeah. when really there's an awful lot of players out there that either one don't know about it or two didn't care and or, or i guess in or in terms of i guess how you and i can land on it is that it's a thing. We understand why it's being implemented in the game and we are able to just reason with it and say like, yeah, okay, well, that's just how Minecraft is going forward. And I think there's a lot of people out there that were just like, even if they were a little bit up in arms about it, or they weren't really sure about it. If the game is moving forward like that, it's like, look, you don't have to play Minecraft. So if this is something that's such a big deal for you, then stop playing Minecraft. But I think people like playing Minecraft more than they dislike the idea of chat of, of the chat reporting. So yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I think we've mentioned this when we did cover it on the show in, in that if you're not doing anything as a bad actor, then you've got nothing to worry about. So yeah. that, that I think is, is like peace of mind for, 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 I would say the, probably the majority and the majority is a quiet majority, right? Like they're not, yeah. um, ruffling any feathers. They're just kind of rolling forward with it. Um, something else that I wanted to point out, uh, as we wrap things up here is that the dot one dot two dot three and dot four minor releases for 119 uh added a lot of stuff under the hood uh not really enough to go into here uh but things like display entities come to mind uh, and i'm sure there are some technical people some map makers uh folks that use this kind of uh technical upgrade uh in their in their minecraft play that are quite happy with the under the hood updates that are happening across 
um, the minor updates, uh, which were new this cycle in 119. And I think it's great. It's nice to see that Mojang can use the minor updates to address that kind of stuff, the stuff that doesn't get the big signposts like hanging signs and cherry wood and that kind of thing. Uh, they don't, they don't need a full, you know, um, like release cycle or featured release or named release for it. And, um, I'm happy to see that the minor updates seem to be finding their footing. Like it's not, um, we kind of know what to expect for them now, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, we had the change to horse breeding that allows you to breed horses that are consistently going to be better horses than the parents were. And, and that mechanic has been kind of brought back around into being somewhat useful again. Um, you've got the jukebox now being able to interact with hoppers in a more significant way. Um, changes to skulk sensors that are going to really help people get to grips with the calibrated skulk sensor in 120. Hot swapping armor and elytra. Um, the color changes to potions for a little bit more visibility and enchantment glint finally being something that you can adjust. Like there's so many nice quality of life changes coming through that it's going to be great to see more of that hopefully coming in 1.20 as it continues. Um, but that is where we're going to leave it for today because 1.20 is only a couple of days away and we are, I'm sure, as excited as you are to get stuck into the Trails and Tales update. In the meantime, you can find more information about our show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live while it is recorded in Discord every week. We have our monthly Minecraft hangout where people can talk about what they've been up to in Minecraft that month and share screenshots of their builds and their first impressions of new updates. We currently have 305 patrons, which is down six from last week. Uh, we are going through our monthly Patreon reshuffling as per usual, and there is always room for more in our community. So if you've been enjoying the new update, then feel free to pop in and see what we're about here at the Spawn Chunks. Special thanks go out to our content engineer patrons, Hunter555, Jumbo Sale, Party Voyager, and Yitz. Thank you so much for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. A personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and say, you should listen to The Spawn Chunks, and you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even YouTube. Be sure to leave a rating and a review on your favorite platform, maybe even a comment on the YouTube. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com, and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixlriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixlriffs, where this week I am saying farewell to the Survival Guide Season 2, beginning Season 3 in the Trails and Tales update, and starting out on New Life SMP, which promises to be a modded adventure of a completely different sort. I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixlriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? 
Everything I'm up to online can be found at joelduggan.com. That includes links to The Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. Two new episodes out in the last week on that show with another one coming later on. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream every day but Monday. Lego is on Fridays. Coming up this week is the beginning of Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters Afterlife. Minecraft on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and the weekends, and a little bit of Satisfactory sprinkled in between. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and the world below is still pretty scary.